Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of LifePoint Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. But I want to preach a message this morning, why we raise our hands in worship. Why we raise our hands in worship, because it's one of those things that because it's one of those things that, I, I'll be honest with you, I have never, ever heard anybody preach this. I've never, I've grown up and I, it, it, there is a, an element of lifting your hands is a natural response to God. There is something that just instinctively in us, when we worship, does tend to want to do that. However, I've never, I've never preached on it, I've never, and I've never, this has never been a message that I've... Uh, I've preached, and it's almost an assumption that if you just stew with everyone long enough, you know, you might just start to, to do it. I said it at conference, but I remember the first time I lifted my hands in worship, and some of you might go, well, I, don't, I lift my hands in worship, so why do I need to hit this? Because I think there is actually some hidden power in this that you might not know about, and I want to I look at it today. And, and the, the first time I, I remember lifting my hands, I was just, I was still... A kid, but I, I mean, I was just before I was a teenager around there, I remember going to a Youth Alive rally and I'd always wanted to lift my hands, but I didn't, you know, you get embarrassed, what's your parents going to think? And, and sometimes, mum and dad, it's always important to realise maybe when your kids are in church, they're processing certain things and trying to work it out and maybe a bit embarrassed to do that in front of mum and dad. That's why sometimes sending your kids off to youth is a great thing or kids' church so they can explore God in their own, in their own right, in their own way. But, but I remember the first time I lifted my hands, I shared this at Holy Spirit Conference and, and I, I remember, I remember just sort of it was a bit dark and I sort of put my hands up just a little bit and the video is quite funny but it's actually quite profound. I lifted my hands and, and I could sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. And there was something about when I lifted my hands and, and released my inhibitions and released uh, uh, my vulnerability and my pride. And, and, and what you can have pride at any age. And what will people think? And I remember in that moment pressing into God. I'll never forget David Evans was the worship leader. And I, I think I could almost remember what song was singing. They were singing, I'm your child. But, <laughs> but I remember I lifted my hands to God and suddenly I felt the anointing of God touch my life. And I've been addicted to this stuff ever since. I am an, an addict of the anointing of God. I need his presence. And so when I lift my hands, I know that there is something divine that is happening in God. And I want to have a look at this this morning. I've got a lot of scripture today. And this is something that you've heard, or sorry, you've seen, but you may have never heard a sermon on why you actually lift up your hands. And, and it is an inexhaustible truth. But I want to at least scratch the surface a little bit. But let's start with the Word of God this morning. Psalm 134. You don't need to turn there because we'll turn, we'll turn to Exodus 17 in a minute and that will be our text. But Psalm 134. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night, that means you need to come to night church, stand in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. I don't know. I can't help but think that old song, Come Bless the Lord, and I want to say it twice. And bless the Lord. And bless the Lord. Those who made heaven and earth, sorry, the Lord who made heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Verse 2 again. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. There is something about when we lift our hands, we bless God. 
And I don't know about you, but when I come to church, we, as a church, I feel this in God. We have to get a revelation of the fact that we've come today not so much to get fed, though we'll be equipped for the work of the ministry, but it is so paramount that when we walk through these doors, our agenda is to come and bless God, to come and minister to God, come and tell him how wonderful he is, come and magnify the name of Jesus, come and give glory and honour to the Lamb of God who's taken away the sins of the, of the world, who, who's redeemed you, he's, who's poured grace and favour into your life, who, who's anointed you with fresh oil. I feel like often we come to church and we come to church for ourselves. In a consumer world, it's so, it's so important that we don't see church as something only to meet our needs. It's actually a time where when we strip back all the programs, all the ministries, all the things that are happening, we walk in here with the agenda, God, I've come to bless you. Oh, how you bless me, Monday through Sunday. And so on this Sunday, I come together with the family of God with one desire, and that is to, to bless the name of Jesus. Does anyone want to bless God in this house this morning? Let's have a look at Exodus 17. I want to show you a powerful scripture. It's Old Testament. The Old Testament, some people are quick to say, well, that's Old Covenant. I want to say this. The Old Testament is as relevant in our lives as the New Testament is. We have to look at it through the lens of Calvary. And we've got to look at it through the lens of grace. But here it says in Exodus 17, and I want to have a look at verse verse 8. It says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men that will go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of a sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. And I will utterly blot out of remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. As long as Moses would lift his hands, there was victory over the enemy. And I want to say this this morning, as long as we are people who know the power of lifting hands, there are battles that will be won 
in our life. I have never once had the uh, luxury of coming to church and keeping my arms folded in the presence of the Lord. I've never had the luxury of going to any Christian event or any time of worship where I can fold my arms because there's too much depending on my raised hand. I've got a battle for my family. I've got a battle for my kids. I've got a battle for my church. I've got a, a battle for the people in this room right now. It's, it's not just about my blessing God this morning, although that's why I've come, but I also know that I have to engage myself in a worship warfare with God to see the powers of darkness broken on the people around and about us. It amazes me how, how we can come into the presence of a holy God and stand around distracted thinking of everything else or, or we get into a, into a rut where we, there's no passion for God. And, and to be honest with you, I feel in the Holy Ghost as the pastor, as the shepherd, as the leader of this house, this is something that has to change in the heavenly realm. I get tired of our worship leaders coming up and saying, man, it was hard this morning. How, how can it be hard when we're singing the song of the redeemed and, and we come into this place and say, God, you're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our worship. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. I, I, I have no right to withhold my praise. Paul and Silas are in prison praising God. I wouldn't praise in prison. I'd get one of those metal cups and run it along the bars. <laughs> That's heaps funny. But here's the deal. They praise God. The Bible says that the earth began to shake. The prison walls fell down. Their chains fell off them and so did the chains of every other person. It's interesting to know that they were in stocks. They were in wooden stocks. The devil was able to tie up their hands, tie up their feet, tie up everything, but the devil was not able or the prisoners were not able to tie up their mouth. And as long as they have a mouth, as long as they have breath, as long as they have a tongue, as long as they have a song, they were able to sing the praises of God. We struggle sometimes to praise and worship in church. They praised in prison. I want to be like them, that when circumstances come against my life, I still have a song of praise unto our God. Do you know why? And I'll talk about it more later, but he's worthy. Even when our circumstances aren't going the way they should, he's worthy. Even when the song is not to our liking, he's worthy. Even when the sound is not, not perfect, not that that's ever a problem here, but even when, when, when things aren't going right, even when the lights are flickering and I'm manifesting on the front row and going, what's going on here? I've still got to go, David, get, get yourself out of that space. You, you've got, you haven't come to look at whether the lights are doing the right thing or whether the AV's doing the right thing. You've come to bless me. And this morning, is there anyone in this house who's come to bless the name of Jesus, to lift up your voices and magnify God. As long as Moses had his hands lifted, the battle was won. There are battles that we will face where the answer is not meddling, it's not trying to negotiate circumstances to go our way. It's simply to lift up holy hands in the presence of God and say, God, you're going to fight for me and I will hold my peace. God, I trust you. God, I worship you. God, I adore you. All through the Bible, we see the lifting of hands. Jesus did it. Paul told Timothy to do it. We see it all through the, the, the Old and the New Testament. Solomon as he dedicated the temple, the Bible says in Second Chronicles 6 and in many other places, he spread out his hands to the Lord. I don't know if he did changing the light bulbs. We'll never know. The Bible 
is not clear, but he lifted his hands before the Lord. David said, I want to turn here. Are you happy today? I know I'm excited. I feel feel like I've been on a chain all week waiting to preach this today to our church because I want to see a worship revival in this place. I want to see a move of God. And I believe that worship is the incubator for the presence of God in our life. Psalm 63, verse 1. David says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in your sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. Oh, that sounds exciting. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you. I will lift up my hands. You know what? You can step out of the natural and into the supernatural by the lifting of hands. Just that you you don't need a band. You don't need singers. You don't need a worship. There is nothing like going, God, you are good. God, you are good. I'm just having my own little moment right now. I'm just, I'm just having a bit of a revival just when you, when you lift your hands. And you know something? There is power in doing this. There is an anointing that comes on your life when you lift your hands before God. The Bible says, and I want to have a look at why and, and why we should, and we'll get there today, but the Bible says in Psalm 95 too, it says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. That word thanksgiving... Uh, the the Hebrew meaning of the word thanksgiving means to hold out the hand, an extension of the hand, especially to revere or worship with extended hands. Worshiping God with our hands raised. That's a powerful thing. Firstly, the Lord speaks to us and tells us to do this, but, but, but the lifting of hands, I want to say this, the lifting of hands is symbolic of the pure heart. Of worship. Why do we lift our hands? Here's a few reasons. We lift our hands, we talked about to bless the Lord, but for supernatural blessing. First Timothy 2.8 says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or without doubting. I desire, Paul says, I desire that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Luke 24.50, Jesus has just promised the Holy Spirit. And just as he's about to ascend, it says this in verse 50 of Luke 24, 49. This is Jesus. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he blessed them. He modeled for us. He lifted his hands to bless us, and he blessed them, and we lift our hands to bless him. There is something powerful about blessing God in our worship. God, I bless you. God, you are mighty. When, when you are facing a storm or a challenge and you lift up holy hands before God, you can see your whole spiritual atmosphere of your life begins to change. The whole spiritual atmosphere of your world begins to change. And I, I believe with all of my heart that we've got to come back to worship as a as a fundamental of, of the things of God. Some of us were so passionate in our worship when we first started out in our journey of faith, but I want to encourage you, let's get the fire back for our worship and see the hand of God do extraordinary things. It, it says here, he raised his hands, he lifted his hands and he 
bless them. He's talking about supernatural blessing. Another reason we worship with our hands lifted is, is in supernatural battle. And I don't want to be cheesy, but why is it that when, the, when police arrest somebody and they're unsure of what, what the deal is, they're going to say, hey, lift your hands, raise your hands, hands up. Why? Because they, they, they want to know that they're not reaching for a weapon or reaching for something that will harm them. When you lift your hands, you are showing surrender. You're showing vulnerability. You're showing deference to authority. You're saying, you know something? No, I, I'm submissive. I, I, there, is not, there is nothing. I, I'm totally at your mercy. I am totally and completely yielded to whatever it is that you want from me right now. Can I say, some, some of us, we've got hurt in church. We, stuff's going on. Maybe you feel like God's let you down or you feel like this or you feel like that. And, and you've lost your passion for worship. You've lost your drive. You've lost that sense of God. It's just, I'm vulnerable. I'm, 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 I'm nothing. You're everything. And God, I worship you. You know, women are so good at it. Sometimes men are like, I think sometimes there's nothing like a dad. I want, when I'm with my son, I want him to know that his dad worships and, and he lifts his hands and he magnifies God and he, he puts God first and he elevates the name of Jesus in situations that may seem impossible. Do you believe that this morning? Are you happy today? Come on, somebody. If you believe it, say amen. Now, it's interesting that when we re- reach out to God, God flips us around. We're not, we're not struggling to lay a hold of our weaponry. When we lift our hands, we're actually lifting our weapons to God. Yeah. I'll give you some scripture this morning. I want to show you this. Psalm 144 verse 1 says this. Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands. Somebody say my hands. Who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Somebody say fingers for battle. Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He teaches my hands, Psalm 18.34 says, He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. When we raise our hands, this is quite simple, this is not deep right here. When we raise our hands, we're raising our arms and we're raising our fingers and consequently our hands to God. And when we do this, we're saying, God, there is a battle. Or God, there is something going on and I'm not using my means, my power or my schemes. I'm using the weapons you've given me and I'm giving them to you. Your hand is an instrument of the supernatural. Your hand is something God's given you to change circumstances by the hand of God. There is something about lifting our hands. There is something about that that engagement in worship that God... It's a divine exchange that happens where... Where we lean on him, he responds, and he responds measure for measure. James 4.8 tells us to draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. As we draw near to God, God is drawing near to us. Uh, uh, it's corny, but as the praises go up, the glory comes down. As we, oh, I felt that. That's exciting. As we, as we worship God, the presence of God comes into our world, comes into our stuff, comes into our circumstance, comes into our disappointment, comes into our pain, comes into our struggles and our trials, comes into our victories, comes into our joy, comes into our life. We don't need to just worship when it's bad. We got to worship when it's good, but it's easy to worship when it's good. Oh, I've won a million dollars. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I'll be speaking in tongues. When the enemy comes against you, that's an even greater place to praise because you're saying, God, there's some stuff, but I praise you. God, I worship you. God, you're worthy of my praise. You're worthy 
of my song. You are awesome. Luke 6.38 talks about giving as we give to God financially or as we give to God in worship. However we give, give and it will come back to you. Good measure, press down, shaken together, running over. It'll be put into your bosom with the same measure that you use will be measured back to you. I believe when we lift our hands and bless God, He blesses us. As we're passionate in worship with God, God pours blessing on us. He, He gives us victory. He gives us life and He gives us joy in the Holy Ghost. You believe that this morning? I'll show you. There's times where... Things were lifted to heaven. The Bible talks about Jesus. When a little boy brings two fish and five loaves to Jesus. And, and what does Jesus do? He takes a bread and the Bible says he lifts it up to heaven. As he lifts it up to heaven, he, he then begins to multiply. There was something about lifting it and consecrating it to God. It became his. Moses lifted up a rod. When he lifted up a rod... Three million Israelites were able to walk through the parted Red Sea on dry ground because there was something about an extension towards heaven that says, God, I have nothing else. I give it all to you. God, you are able. You are my deliverer and you are supernatural. And I want to look at this today because I believe that as we as a church get a fresh revelation of why we lift our hands. You might say, well, I lift my hands. Yeah, but I don't want you to just do it out of routine. I don't, how often do you come into church and you'll be lifting your hands and you're thinking, I want us as a church to lift our hands to God. At the end of this message, we're going to worship God just a little bit. And I want you to do it with these things in mind and realize your hands and your arms and your fingers are engaging in battle and God's doing something supernatural by his spirit in the name of Jesus. I want to talk about hands and arms and the whole the, 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 and, and fingers this morning because this is what we lift when we when we worship God. And I and I believe that mirroring what we do is a reflection of what God does. We're made in the image of God. He'll lift his hands and bless us as we lift our hands and bless him. I want to talk about the significance in the word of God of God's hand, God's arm. And God's fingers this morning. Because I believe God wants to speak to our heart in this house. God's hand in the Bible speaks of God's empowering and God's anointing. There's something when, when God's hand is on a situation. When you read through the Old Testament where, and, and, and through the New Testament, when the hand of God came upon, supernatural things began to happen. Ezekiel yeah. 37, the Bible says, the hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel. Ezekiel could prophesy like you've never heard anyone prophesy. He was in the same league as Jeremiah. He was in, in the same league as Isaiah. He, he, could, he could bring the now word of the Lord and, and, and he prophesied phenomenal things. He prophesied eschatology, things that are still yet to come to pass, things that have come to pass. He, he prophesied technology. He prophesied amazing things. But here we see in chapter 37, the first time we read at all in the Bible that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And his prophetic edge went from being able to prophesy truths of God to now prophesying to a valley of dry bones and seeing those dry bones live. It went to a whole different level in God. That, that prophetic edge, that anointing, that power from heaven. When the hand of God came upon him, there was miracle power, there was creative power, and there was anointing. The hand of God speaks of anointing, it speaks of power, and it speaks of the Holy Spirit. When we lift our hands to God, we're connecting with the anointing, we're cre- connecting with power and we're connecting with the spirit of God worship is a connection with God in heaven and there there is a divine exchange where we lift our hands and surrender ourselves he pours in the anointing of God and does something supernatural in our life when we when we are people who the hand of the Lord comes upon I believe when his hand is upon our life our hands become his hands 
in the world around and about us. You believe that this morning. If you do, give God a praise or something. You give God. Number two. Number two. I want to look at the arm of God. It speaks of dominion. It speaks of victory. It speaks of creation. It speaks of fatherhood. And it speaks of affection. Psalm 136 verse 12. You don't need to turn to all these passages. I've got a lot to share with you. It says this. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, his mercy endures forever. Isaiah 53 verse 1. It says, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of power, the arm of deliverance, the arm of dominion, the arm of victory, the arm of... God's affection, I'll show you that in a second, but Jeremiah 32 verse 17, we know this, our Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm, there is nothing too difficult for you. When the arm of the Lord gets involved in your life, there is nothing too difficult for God. Come on, church, if you believe that, give God a praise today. If you be- I believe that the arm of God in your business, in your home, in your finances, in your family, in your relationships, in yourself, I want God's arm of, uh, of deliverance and God's arm of creative power and, and the power to heal and deliver is in the arm of God in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Mark 10, 16, Jesus took the children up in his arms and blessed them. He took them in his arms, he blessed Bless him. He laid his hands on them and he blessed them. He used his arm, his hands and his fingers to, to, to be a blessing, to touch and, and impart the presence and the power of God into people's lives. He is a good, good father. He is a good God. And, and when God gets involved in your world, there's the affections of heaven. And I don't usually preach this kind of stuff because I try to be a bit blokey, you know. I've always been known for my blokiness. But here's, here's the deal. When, when, when the affection of God gets in your life, you can, you can know God as a father. Your earthly father may be crazy. You might have crazy parents. You might, you might have been brought up by carnies. I don't know what, what your background is, but what I do know is he is perfect and he wants these arms of God. They wrap around sinners. They, they wrap around the broken. They, they, they wrap around those that are in, in, in pain and in suffering and he lifts you up and he gives you strength. That's what worship does. So when you extend your arms to him, he extends your... During worship this morning, I feel a little tap on my leg. I was like, Dan, stop tapping my leg. I look down, it's my son James. And he looks up like that. I don't even have to think about it. Too right, up he comes. And I do what I do. I don't even think about it. It's my fatherly response to my child. When we extend our arms to him, he extends his arms to us. And he blesses us. I know it's awkward for some people to, you start preaching the fatherhood of God a little bit, people get a bit funny. But he's a good father. He's a good Holy Spirit. He's a good Jesus. He's a, he's a good God and He's with us. And as we worship Him, as we touch Him. I know I'm excited this morning. I know I'm yelling a little bit. But I feel like, thank you very much. I, I, I feel that's all I needed. We're going to add, add 15 minutes, thanks to you, sister. And I don't know who said it, but I accept it as permission. Finally, finally, the shackles are off and I can preach as long as I want, not how long the staff tell me I can preach. Bless God. Stick that on your run sheet. <laughs> Jesus took us up. He, he, I, I, maybe I'm drawing a long, a, 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 a long bow here, but there's going to come a time when the Bible says we're going to be caught away into heaven. The rapture of the church, the arms of God, 
plucking us into the kingdom of God. Can I tell you, we've got we to be a people of extended hand before God. This morning, the anointing of God's going to fall. I feel like as a church today, if you would open your hearts to what I'm preaching, we can just take a little bit of ground. I had the privilege of growing up in a church that, like any church, was not a perfect church. But as a church that knew how to touch God in worship, as a church that worship was something we were engaged in, we pressed into, and, and it so impacted my life. And my prayer is that we would be that same kind of church where we are a worshiping people, and we take serious our worship. We we take serious entering into the presence of God with outstretched hands and arms. And, Worship before God. God's arms speaks of His dominion, His victory, His creation, His fatherhood, His affection. Fingers. I've never preached on fingers before. When we raise our hands to God, our fingers are extended to God. I know, I know it sounds unusual. Believe me, you're not the one saying it. When we raise our fingers to God, we have to understand that there have been many things in the Word of God made possible because of the finger of God. We'll have a look at this. The Ten Commandments were given, the Bible says, Deuteronomy 9.10, two tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So what does the finger of God speak? Direction. It It speaks of holy living. It speaks of directing us in the right pathway to live the life that God's called us to live. But God's finger also... Uh, saved a woman caught in adultery. The Bible says a woman had been caught in adultery. They're all accusing her. Now, let me say this one thing about being caught in adultery. If you're caught, there's two people involved. No one talks about the man caught in adultery. He got away with it. I I suspect he was one ready to stone her as well. But Jesus, the Bible says, stooped in the ground and he wrote on the ground with his finger. We don't know what he wrote. I have a hunch. I think he started writing, Nick did this. George did that. Put your rock down, Craig. I knew where you were last <laughs> night. I don't know. Maybe you have a good spiritual answer. I've just always thought Jesus was just making their life difficult. Because whatever happened, they dropped their stones and they walked away. He said, where are your accusers? Yeah. I have none. Yeah. He says, go and sin no more. Yeah. It was a finger of grace yeah. and it was a finger of direction. Yeah. It was deliverance yeah. and it was saying, go and sin no more. Can I tell you, you might, you might have messed up. You might have been living like a naughty person this week. We're going to worship God at the end of this message. We're going to take some time. The band will come up in a minute. And when they do, we're going to sing some easy songs, just closing in our service, just to enter in and worship God so you don't have to try and figure out all the words or you can just worship God. But here's the thing that I want to tell you today, that there is God's direction. There is God's correction. And there is God's freedom and grace. The finger of God comes and says, hey, go and sin no more. You say, I'm not worthy to worship. The Bible says, let everything that has breath. Praise God. Another time we see the finger of God was at King Belshazzar's feast. It says in Daniel 5, they drank wine and they praised the gods of gold, silver, bronze, and iron, wooden stone. So they're getting drunk and they're they're worshipping creation, not the creator. And the Bible says that in the same hour, fingers of a man had appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. 
And so in verse 12, it says, they called Daniel in to give the interpretation. Verse 13, then Daniel was brought before the king. And in verse 17, he says to the king, let your gifts be for yourself. Give your rewards to another. I will read the writing of the king and let him know the interpretation. And the interpretation was this. We've seen your life. It's been weighed in the balance. And basically, he says, you failed. It was the finger of God's judgment. And I'm not here to say as you worship God, the finger of God's judgment comes. They weren't worshiping God. But when we worship God, God will put his finger on things in your life. I don't know about you, and I don't want to make this like a, a hyper angry kind of God's full of judgment finger of God and da-da-da-da. But he, here's the thing. When we worship God, I do feel like that little tap of God saying, hey, maybe this in your life just needs a bit of adjustment. Or sometimes I feel the finger of God, Dad, just tell Donna she needs to adjust that. I say, I will, Lord, I will. <laughs> sometimes when I worship, I feel Donna's finger, just David. No. When you worship God, he says, hey, that, that, maybe this is a little wee bit of unforgiveness you need to do with me. This is a wee bit of maybe selfishness or pride or whatever it may be. Maybe you've been looking at something or do, doing something that isn't, part of the plan of God. And it's just, he comes and he just says, hey, you need to deal with that thing. And it's not about, and you know, sometimes I fear that we don't worship. We don't engage in God because we don't really want God shining his light on stuff. But can I tell you, when some of the stuff that's a bit dark and hidden comes into the light of God, he brings a wholeness. He brings his anointing into that situation to bring hope and bring life. When, when you raise your hands today, we're going to worship God. I feel like every hand's just going to be doing that. <laughs> I, don't, I want it to be how you want to worship God. But I'm going to look for some people to change the light bulbs and, and, and uh, YMC, whatever. That was funny. We partake of everything I've just talked about when we worship God. But I want to go on for a minute. I'm nearly done. Why do we worship God? Is it just so we can get? Because is it another consumer message, church? You need to worship because there's stuff to get. What if there was nothing to get? What if, Ari, when you led worship on a Sunday morning and they lift their hands, there's nothing for them and it was only just about God. Do you know that's good enough? If it was just about you saying to God, you've done this for me, I want to bless you. You might not feel anything, but you will because he's good. He can't help it if I get involved with that. But here's, here's the thing. The truth is, as the people of God, as the people of the kingdom of God, when we worship him, when we worship him, there's reasons we should do it that are outside of ourselves. Number one, we worship God. Number one, Psalm 18 verse 3, I'll call upon the Lord for he is worthy to be praised. Number one, God is worthy. That's why we should praise God. Let me say that again. God is worthy. I've had a bad week. Doesn't matter. God's worthy. Things are against me. Doesn't matter. God's worthy. I feel, uh, do I have to worship? Firstly, we've got to get rid of the have to's. We've got to engage in the get to's. I don't have to worship. I get to worship. And I get to worship a God who is worthy. Worship actually means worship. Did you know that? Worship is worship. He is, he is worthy of our worship or our fellowship. It's worship. We worship God because he is worthy. Somebody say God is worthy. Revelation 5, 11, 12. Here's some old school preaching. Then I looked, or and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, the elders. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, and glory and blessing. Worthy is the lamb. He's worthy today. I'm here to worship God. I'm happy to be with all of you, but I'm here because 
the Lord's worthy of a song. He's worthy of my gratitude. He's worthy of me saying, God, how good it is to bless you. You've done great and mighty things. I praise your name. You are mighty. You are wonderful. You are supernatural. You are worthy. We serve a God who's worthy. He's worthy of your song. You say, oh, I don't need it. I don't need a word. Yeah, yeah, you, you do because he's worthy. And when you do, supernatural things begin to happen for the glory of God. We worship God for who he is. We praise God for what he's done. And for the stuff that he's done for you, we give thanks. I want to just say this. Even though we're talking about worship, praise and thanksgiving is verbalized faith. If you thank God after the fact, that's gratitude. But if you thank God before it happens, that's faith. Some of you need to worship God before the, the manifestation of his goodness is in your hands because that's faith. Sometimes I've got to praise God for things I hope are going to happen or I'm believing God will happen. They haven't yet happened, but I praise God because I know that's gratitude. That, I mean, that's faith and, and faith works. You believe that this morning. Number two, why do we worship? Because we're called to worship. We're called to worship God. I'm going to read your scripture. You've all heard it. The problem is I read all these scriptures and I think of all the songs that used to be sung to scripture. For you are a chosen generation. First Peter 2 verse 9 says, For you are a chosen generation. This is you. I'm talking to you. Just as you're sitting there today, listen, I am talking to you. David Hall is reading the word of God that applies to your life right now. This is it. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, you're a special people, <laughs> you're a peculiar people, the King James says, and I believe that's right, that's a word for some of you, you're a peculiar people that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called, that you, you, you are, I, I just get caught up in this because I want to sing this song, for you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, who knows that song, that you should show forth the praises of him, you know it, you just want to be, who has called you? Out of darkness, out of darkness, out of darkness, into his marvelous light, into his... <laughs> you are a chosen generation. Thank you very much. We've got a matinee show for you. It's going to be good. Dave Hall sings the classics. A holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once... Not a people, but are now a people of God who had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. He has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light that you may proclaim the praises of him. Psalm 150 verse 6, we know it all. I've said it a few times already. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Number three, why do we worship? Jeremiah 2.5 says something interesting. It says they followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. What they worshipped changed them. When you worship him, you change. You're vulnerable. You lay aside your pride. Because we are truly, we've got to remember, we have truly come to worship God. Who's worthy of our worship and worthy of our praise. And and when we lift our hands on our own, all these things happen. But can, can I say this? When we lift our hands together, there is something about a corporate anointing. At the, in, the, in the Old Testament feasts, there were times where they would get together and they'd give God a wave offering. They'd just worship. Because there's something powerful about an extended hand of God together as the body of Christ that created a whole room together in worship, worshipping Him in spirit and in truth, singing, making melody, honouring, exalting the King of Kings. 
and the Lord of Lords. You know, today we're going to worship God. And I don't want to just preach to uh, set up a moment, but uh, we, we want to take a minute. The service is 1126. There's no hurry at all. But I'd love it if the praise and worship team can come. We're going to worship God for just a few moments. But just as we do, let's all just stand for one moment before we sing. We'll just stay with this volume for a minute. This is what I'm going to ask you to do in the house. I want every person that, you know, is a believer and, and happy to do so. I, I want you to lift your hands to God. All across the house. There's something powerful about an extended hand before Him. Some of you, it's been a little while. Some of you saying, God, I'm nothing. You're everything. I don't know about you, but I feel the presence of God just falling in the house. I feel His anointing falling in this place. I feel the presence of God. There's an anointing when hands are lifted. Some of us, we haven't done a lot of this. It's been a while. We've just been doing church. Haven't taken a minute to let the breath of God. I'm saying this as much as the guys behind me up here in our worship team who are on the front lines all the time. And you're amazing. I love you. I believe in you. But never, 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 never lose your passion to lift up your hands over your storms, over your challenges over your stuff. God be praised. God be praised. God be praised. Jesus, we stand here today as the people of God and we love you. We honour you. We give you praise. We give you honour. We give you glory. Jesus. Speak his name. Tell him you love him. Say, you're making it awkward. It's good to be awkward. It's good to say the name of Jesus. I was in a Benny Hinn meeting last year, and I just he gets up and he says, Whisper Jesus. I was like, Jesus. But I tell you, as I did, I felt him walk right next to me. I felt his presence. I felt the anointing of God. Whisper Jesus. Tell him you love him. I feel like God's doing something. There's, there's a first love coming back into this house. We, we talk to him. We love him. Jesus. 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 There's an anointing. There's a presence.